0: Oh, there is so much going on. Hope that you can hear me all right. The air conditioner decided to get loud today. And I'm not exactly sure why, because if you can look through the window there, it's still cloudy. Um, anyway, here we are. We're looking at the books of the Bible, books, of, I'm sorry, books of the New Testament, and, they're written, and the order in which they were written. Paul is in Corinth. He's been in Corinth for all of this journey. James was written first, and we went through James. But while he's in Corinth, he writes back to Thessalonica Thessalonica, and encourages them, and we had a look at that book. He then writes Galatians around that time, most likely, and then immediately writes Second Thessalonians, all while he is in Corinth. Corinth will get his attention later, ironically when he's not there. So here comes the Second Thessalonians and the first part of it is almost boilerplate. I've seen people just pull this thing apart but it's just the way that Paul writes letters. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, so now we know who's together with them, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love you have for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring." Great opener. I mean, that's the kind of letter you'd want to receive from anybody who speaks for God. And Paul does. Um, Paul will let you know when he thinks he's speaking for himself and when he thinks he's speaking for God. And here he's looking at him saying, you know, you guys are doing great and what we know about you is this. What we brag about you is this. Your faith just keeps increasing despite all these other things going on and the love you have for each other. All right, churches. Those of you that have three and four and five page vision statements with six committees to make sure they're shepherded with the language. Remember Paul said in Galatians, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And What is he bragging about Thessalonica? He's bragging about they love people well. There you go. That's a vision for you. Now I'm aware if you have like a three or four page vision, Uh, shepherded by six to 10 committees, you will have this really amazing document, but you're not gonna do anything as important as loving people and becoming famous for loving people. By the way, just a little phrase there that has given some people some trouble, when he says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. It is an awkward phrasing in English, I'm not exactly sure why they don't smooth it out when they translate it, but it just means we're compelled to. You know, by right Thessalonia, you have the right to have us brag about you and we will do it. And so and that's all that means and that's, that even makes it better. All this is evidence, he says in verse five, that God's judgment is right and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Now, let's not worry about the suffering right now. I'm not sure entirely what the suffering consisted of, what all the things were going on there. It wasn't horrible in Thessalonica at the time. It was a struggle, yes, uh, but not horrible. But the point, don't lose the point. The point is, All this evidence is that God's judgment is right. Now, what's about to be said may flavor this a little bit, but what we're thinking we hear here is, God picked you and he picked the right people. That, again, it's what you'd want to hear. But then he also says, and God notices those who are not being good. He says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to who you um, give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Now we get an awful lot of our end times teaching from Paul in passages like this. Sadly, we tend to grab bits and pieces from all over and act like Paul was thinking about exactly the same thing for exactly the same reason and therefore phrased everything so it could be put together like a puzzle. And we come up with a lot of things about the end of time, which may not be true. First of all, Paul thought it was right around the corner. And he makes that very, very plain. The Thessalonians really took that to heart. And in fact, later in this book, he's going to have to tell them to ease up a little bit on that Jesus is coming soon mantra. And you'll see why as we go through this. Um, the people are refilling a Coca-Cola machine. Hope you enjoy the ambi- ambience of the office. Um, hey, Coke machines being refilled. Okay, that's good news, isn't it? Anyway, and those of you, don't, don't write me about health stuff, all right? I'd, I'd appreciate that. Um, I love the picture but it's in quite juxtaposition. Think about this. How did God deal with us first? Well, in a garden, walking with us every evening. No wonder they call that paradise. Then how did he reveal himself to us? As a baby born to a not quite married, very young teenage girl. Paul says the next time he comes, will be in blazing fire with the angels of heaven, destroying all those who didn't obey God and didn't come under this umbrella of faith. By the way, it's everlasting destruction. Now, what's the difference between destruction and everlasting destruction? In the Old Testament, you will find that they'll say, destroy, utterly destroy this community. And they went in and we did it. And a few chapters later, you see that community people, they're they're still around. There's war talk that the Semitic people use that really throw us off. Because in the West, we want exactness. In fact, if the plumber says he'll be there at 1.30 and it's 1.45, we're quite upset. And you need to know that that is not true in the vast majority of the world. And their language reflects that. But whenever he says here, everlasting destruction, it means they're ended. We will do an awful lot of talking about hell later. We, and probably on a Monday, uh, doing a series on that, who told you about, we'll do it two, who told you about hell. And we'll... We'll talk about this because the concept of hell as an eternal torture pit where you burn for quadrillions of years But you never stop burning and screaming and crying comes from Plato uh, a, A Greek long before the birth of Jesus and comes from the medieval church It doesn't really come from scripture The burning in scripture is a burning up. It's an everlasting destruction. You're gone. You're not coming back and it's not a torture pit burning for most, although Jesus says a very odd thing. We'll get to that. He talks about some receive few stripes, some receive many ads. Um, that's gonna be a thing to look at, all right? So, so tune in, but also be aware, we're having some struggles with YouTube and I'll put up a video about that later. So watch for that, please. It's super, super, super important. Back to here. I love the picture because not because of the destruction bit, but because you you get to marvel. It says when you see all of this, and that he includes you, because they believed Paul's testimony and Silas and Timothy's. God's gonna just wrap them in this big cosmic hug and hold them, because they believed. Again. Let's whittle down those vision statements and the umpteen layers of bureaucracy we have between us and God. Just believe him and love one another. And you know, you know this, we've gone over it. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Hold on, everything so far, been yay, yay, yay. You're number one, big foam finger. Now he's saying, he'll make you worthy of his calling. No, Paul is not being schizophrenic here. We all know that we're not worthy of being saved by God and, and, and walking about with Jesus as our brother in heaven. We all know that. What he's saying is, salvation is not just an event, it's a process and God's moving you along. You're doing great and we're praying that you just keep moving. So we never think, all right, I've done it now. I've settled the whole Christianity thing. I can coast, no, just keep moving, keep moving. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. In other words, he knows you wanna be good. So we're praying that he just keeps giving you the power and leading you to be gooder. <laughs> That's it. Um, one of my favorite individuals, gonna pull this off over here. My favorite individuals when I first came back to America in the late 80s, uh, Dale Starr, would uh, every so often say, "This, oh, that, that's more, that's more better, that's more better." I loved that, and and I've I've adopted that. That's gooder and more better. By the way, very intelligent, educated man. He knew it was ungrammatical, and that's why it was fun. All right, so by your power, bring it to fruition for your every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, in you and him, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole chapter one is just a, hey guys, you're doing great, but it's all wrapped in this, by the power of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and it, that phrasing pops up repeatedly. So it's, it's just wonderful, maybe the first best chapter ever. Uh, it's one of those really encouraging. Now, here's the thing. You, this could be written to you. Yeah, you. I, 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 I know, I know all the sins, all the failures, all the certain situations. You're, you can't do this, you're in that kind of thing, and you married this person, and I've got it. But you believe in God enough to take a break in your day, Listen to me, a man in an office with a noisy air conditioner with a full Coke machine. And you might be thinking, I I don't do that much. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as a son of God? Do you want to do good? Do you try to do good? Do you love people the best you can? At the moment, in the place where you are with what you've got, do you love people? Very cool. Chapter one applies to you. Now just keep going. You'll get better at it, most likely. Just keep practicing. Keep going. This is your chapter. When you're really down, read this chapter, all right? Chapter two comes flying right at you. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now see, here's the thing. All thought it was gonna be just around the corner um, and therefore the churches he served thought it was gonna be just around the corner but in Thessalonica they took it a little far so he's got to say all right guys still move there is a um, there were so many millennial movements in history where they're just, Jesus, uh, this right now in history, it's very, very plain. He's coming back right now. And sadly, a bunch of silly people are still saying that about 2021. They were saying it about 2020, and every year all the way back. Eventually, you have to get to the point where you just go, you yeah, know, not paying attention to you. And just living your life in love, like you're supposed to, and let God worry about the end of things concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, that big cosmic hug, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. And there are still people that teach, well, the day of the Lord happened in 70 AD, or the day of the Lord happened, and there are a lot of days of the Lord in scripture, But when Paul talks about this day of the Lord, he's talking about this end of the world system. Uh, It could be uh, the destruction of the elements and we all go to heaven. Or it could be the renewed earth. Uh, You can read the scripture either way and I'm just not going to fight on that hill. I don't have the time or energy to fight on that hill. So let's, let's pull back a little bit. But there's a teaching out there that, you know, you missed it. The Jehovah's Witnesses say Jesus came back and the rest of us missed it. That's kind of sad. Well, anyway, he says, uh, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the law of, uh, man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped. So he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. This probably is referring to the Roman emperors that are now beginning to do exactly this. Call themselves gods and put statues of themselves in the temples for you to worship. And Paul says, when this saturates the empire, the day of the Lord will come. But by this day of the Lord, he's talking about the destruction. Well, he probably still thinks the end of the world at this stage. But the day of the Lord came in a way that it destroyed the old Jewish system when Israel fell in 70 AD. It was horrific. It was awful. There is nothing good there. And I've heard a lot of myths. People will say, well, but the Christians weren't hurt because they had to, well, Christians got hurt. Jews got hurt. And a lot of the Jews were Christians, and a lot of the Christians were Jews. That separation, that family fight that eventually ended in a divorce of sorts that was going to take a while. And it wasn't there yet. The fight was starting, but we weren't there yet. The whole point is Paul saying, "Let I God has a history, if you look at the Old Testament, of not just destroying the people until their wickedness becomes so complete, it saturates everything. Then, then he moves on them. And Paul's saying, we're not saturated yet. So you just wait. God's timing will be good on this. goes, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. Now you know what is holding him back, that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness, lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. This sounds like code language. But when you're living in the Roman Empire and all this is going on, and you're sending letters that can be easily intercepted, you you don't use code language, you just don't use certain words. For example, um, there's an app that Christians have been using in China called WeChat. And I don't know when it actually happened, but the report came out yesterday that the government of China was uh, blocking any communications that had words like Bible, church, Jesus, among these trying to shut down the um, communication of Christians on this social media and, and doing a bang up job of shutting them down this is um when you're in that kind of thing you don't have to use code language but you you have to not use certain words and so he's making it very plain what's going on here but not using certain words saying it's bad but it's going to get worse because there's somebody keeping it from getting worse right now. And that person's going to be removed. And if you remember when we went through the book of Revelation, we talked about the emperors and how that worked. But let's just move on here. The Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie they'll just you'll applicable in many circumstances right and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved for this reason god sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so all will be condemned to not believe the truth but have delighted in wickedness and there's where would you like some aspirin I almost need some aspirin here, too. And I've read this thing uh, hundreds of times. I'd like to say thousands, but that's probably not true. Hundreds of times. What? What's going on? The Jews here in this community would immediately be going, Oh, I know what we're talking about now. There was another time when God's people were being beaten up by all-powerful rulers who considered themselves gods. Egypt. And when Pharaoh wouldn't move, God pulled back and allowed all the forces of evil to swamp on Pharaoh so he would lie and believe a lie. One of the worst curses in Scripture is not that God's going to smite you. It's that God's going to withdraw his hand and just send it in in the Old Testament, let you look for it, see if you can find it. There's a passage where God is said to be looking around heaven saying, who can I send to deceive that king? And one of the beings up there goes, I'll go. It's generally thought that that's kind of poetic language or that it's referring to a time when the devil and his angels were still free to walk around heaven. Regardless, it's a troubling thing. My neighbor, We lived in West Virginia, was um, digging up some rocks and moving some rocks over. And my son, who's only, I don't know, maybe nine or ten at the time, just ran over to help because we're kind of a helpful people. So I went over to help. And he started talking to me about a sister of his and how the sister called all those 800 number lines. Do you remember those back in the 80s and 90s? Call this madam something and she will tell you your future, you know. It's only $3 a minute on the phone. Uh, for those of you with cell phones and such, now you're going, what? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a weird time. <clears throat> and how she believed in astrology and she believed in all of that. And I said, now, she always done that. And he goes, no, she used to be any named um, uh, a standard Christian denomination. He said, but then he just, she decided she just didn't believe in God. But I didn't think I didn't want to say anything. It's his sister. But then he said it, after a while he said, I guess if you won't believe in God, you end up believing in anything. Okay? That is correct. You will believe that once upon a time, things blew up and that's why we have dolphins. All a mistake when a bunch of nothing, absolutely nothing blew up. Hmm. You can believe anything. Or you can believe that there is a God who threw a bang, or through six days, or through whatever, somehow brought us here. You're going to believe one of the stories. God's going to just let them, that's the story they want. I'm going to step back and let them, I'm going to send it. Let the delusion swamp them. And by the way, that whole concept, that whole setup of Roman um, emperor worship really brought down the fall because when as one historian has told me several times when you see a ruler and his picture is huge everywhere you look and there are statues of him everywhere you look run cuz that's when everything's going to go sideways he says stand firm <clears throat> excuse me starting down verse 13 but we always ought to thank God for you once again. The phrasing just means you really deserve this. Brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of His Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm, hold fast to the teachings we pass to you, whether by word or of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God, our Father. it just keeps repeating that phrasing. That, that particular form of blessing is just woven in here. Who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That's cool. That's cool. I love it. Um, I would also... I'm I'm looking here just to to pull it up so I can do this for us. Uh, Wrong one. Hang on, things are going on. Um, We are going to next Wednesday do First Thessalonians. I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter three. But then we are going to leap leap forward about two and a half, three years to Paul's next letter. But it's not his next letter. It's just the next letter we have. It's going to be to the book of 1 Corinthians, which is really at least 2 Corinthians, because he's going to refer to letters he wrote that we don't have. He may be doing that, by the way, back in 2 Thessalonians 2.15 that we just read. We don't have to have all of them. How much do you need to have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, and work out, express your faith and love. See what I mean? I'm looking forward to it. So may our Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Look for that special um, video because it really is going to be a special one. Uh, we We got a lot of work to do, and there are going to be some real changes. So look for that in the next day or so. All right? God bless all of you. Hope to see you at our Safe Harbor Church, either in person or online at every opportunity. Go with God.